Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Off the Grid with your host, Chris G. And today I'm here with the amazing owner and chef of Dee Dee's Downtown, Scott Hoffner. What's going on, everybody? Yeah. Oh, look at that. He's got buttons and everything. This is great. It's like there's thousands of people here. Yeah, Dee Dee's Downtown, 7210 West Main Street in Frisco, Texas. And thank you for doing this sure. for me. And, My pleasure. Um, I really appreciate it. I came here to eat a couple weeks ago. It was amazing. I had the steak, had the, the skillet chicken, had the, the, the beignets. Fabulous. They had the chocolate dipping sauce, the strawberry jam, and the honey. Ooh can't, la la. Can't go wrong with any one of those. But um, we're here with the podcast, Off the Grid with Chris G, episode three. And a beautiful day in Frisco, Texas. Uh, before we get into the restaurant, but I want to ask Scott, who is the chef and owner of Dee Dee's Downtown. Um, Scott, where did you grow up? Uh, Plano, Texas. Grew up in Plano, Texas. Is this where you were born and raised and, and had a lot of influences? And Well, uh, born, in, born in Plano, so native Texan, and uh, I started cooking when I was a kid in Plano. So as far as influences go, you know, I cooked in Plano until uh, I graduated high school and went to chef school. Right. So through high school, growing up, what were your interests what were your interests as a young adult in high school, getting into college? What were you into? <clears throat> well, I was into music, a lot of music. Um, I kind of, you know, I like doing a little bit of everything. So I like sports and, you know, I'm a pretty thin guy. So in Plano sports, you know, you were, you got to be the big show to, yeah. get, to stay in sports in Plano. So that career ended very very early for me and so uh, I could I loved cooking and I but I mean I enjoyed playing golf and where I was raised in Plano you know I had a neighborhood of kids that we were constantly outside running around so you know there was a pickup football game or basketball game or people skateboarding or building ramps I mean we were right. always just busy and outside then it, yeah. yeah we were outside most of the time uh but as far as interests, I love to fish. Uh, anybody that knows me knows that it's like a very serious passion. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy doing that. It's peace and serenity. But, uh, you know, again, I like things that are involved with entertainment and uh, making people happy. That's kind of, kind of what I'm, I'm all about. Right. And when you were younger, uh, before you got into owning your own restaurant, did you, were you in bands uh, of anything like that? Yeah, uh, I started, I think my first band I was in, I was 12 or 13 with a couple guys, Blake and Thomas Stewart. It's kind of crazy. And Guns N' Roses had just come out. But, and then I played through band, in bands through high school. I was in a band called Hemlock that we were in my garage of my parents' house. My parents were super cool like that. We had the garage with the little drum riser there. And we produced a you know demo tape and played in Deep Ellum when Deep Ellum was Deep Ellum. And nice. it was cool. Deep Elm. Deep Elm is a nice area down in uh, downtown Dallas that is uh, up and coming again. It was an old industrial area back in the day, turned into a lot of nightlife, and it is now coming back up. A lot of restaurants, a lot of bars, a lot of live music, art. It's a cultural district. So for those who don't know Deep Elm, 
So you did you tour with any bands in your day? Well, I played with a band called Spear after I finished chef school. Uh, and we had a great time. Yeah, we did kind of East Coast, like circuit touring is what it was. You know, we'd go out and hit colleges and go all the way out to Lubbock and come back. But we were based in Austin, so we played a lot on 6th Street. And, you know, we got to open up and play with a couple of really neat bands throughout that period of time. Uh, which was which was exciting. We got to open up for Blues Traveler and Edie Brickell and Deep Blue Something um, and sort of interchange and play with those guys. We right. got, got to get on stage with them and have a great time. But yeah, we, we, we hustled for, for a few years and then the main guy in the band who's a pure talent, James, uh, he wanted to sh- shift paces and I really needed to get focused on cooking. That, it was kind of like that, that, it was that, are we, is something going to happen, or do I really need to focus right. on uh, my culinary career? Yeah, you came to a crossroads. The to crossroads. Where, you know, are we going to do this for real, for real, or do I need to start focusing on my own life and uh, paying the bills? That is correct. Right. Yeah, we all come across that in our time. Um, what are some, what are, tell us more about the, the touring and the music days. Like, what are some interesting nights that you had? Did you run into anybody famous? Who were some of your influences uh, in the music er- uh, time that when you were making music, who were who was your influence? Oh, gosh. I mean, I I think that there's a, like a solid core of music that I listen to that's kind of always stuck with me. In fact, some of my friends will say that I haven't branched out enough with newer music and I'm still kind of trapped in the time frame. So... You know, for me, I loved Sabbath and Metallica, and I loved Zeppelin and yeah. Cream and um, The Who, Rush, Jimi Hendrix, you know, all those guys, Jane's Addiction. And then there's, like, that shift, you know, in the 90s where it was Soundgarden and Pearl Jam and right. Alice in Chains and Jane's Addiction. Grunge, yeah. Yeah, and, th- and that kind of thing. So I was never really into glam music, and it's funny now. It's If I hear a Bon Jovi song, it's like I've got, yeah. Uh-huh. Let's rock and roll. Yeah, um, but then the the guys that uh, James specifically, the guy that uh, I played with, he's a pianist. So his style of music was very different than anything I had played or thought about playing. He he was more of kind of like a Steely Dan, just his piano driven band, which made it very different. So it's kind of even hard to that band. And I'm always one to compare, like, well, gosh, they sound like Pearl Jam, or gosh, that sounds like... Right. You know, I remember when Stone Temple Pilots, when I heard them for the first time, I'm like, boy, they're trying to rip off Pearl Jam. But it was really kind of the other way around. I, not that there was any ripping off, but um, that band was more of kind of like a Steely Dan meets Traffic feel to it. Right. And uh, that's that's kind of what we did. So I wouldn't even say that my, and I'm also, I, I play hand drums, you know, in, in Spear, that band. Um, I helped in some of the writing process of it, but when you're playing percussion, it's percussive. It's not necessarily the the sound that's being emulated, and the, the band itself is what created that. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Sort of. So you play drums. Yeah. Yeah, when it, well, how old were you when you got your first drum set? Well, I it wasn't really a, I always had one at my house. I never have owned a drum set. Your dad played no, drums? No, guitar. Your dad played guitar. Yeah, and nope. so in my first bands, I played bass, and I sang. Okay. Um, and would 
fiddle around on the drums. It wasn't till I went to college that I started playing percussion. Yeah. Where I started playing like djembes and dinbecks and congas and bongos. And right. then once I got to Austin, um, I started playing in spear. And at that time, I didn't have any drums. Yeah. I had a little tiny drum that I had taken to Europe with me with some friends and played that around Europe with them. When I met James, James actually bought one of the two drums, the congas that I started with. Right. And I still have those drums to, these, to this day. Nice, nice. Um, in your time touring, doing the circuit tours, were there any particular favorite cities or shows that you did that you always remember? Something I got, that happened? Yeah. I got to play in Chicago um, yeah. at the Kingston Mine, nice. which is very cool. Yeah. Um, you know, the night that the, we, we got to play with Blues Traveler in Austin, um, and that was pretty special. That was a, a neat night. And then, you know, Edie Raquel was... But there were nights, you know, in Austin that some shows that just great... There was great energy, which is, yeah. you know, kind of bigger. That We did a show... I did a show... We did a show in Ojai that was put together that was a fundraiser for this boy that... Uh, Ojai is, is a town I used to live in, and there was... A, they needed a blood mobile. I know that kind of sounds strange, but it was like a, and so we raised a ton of money for the, in this one show, and that included Daniel Ash, uh, Dave Mason, who is from Traffic, and uh, Daniel is, you know, the uh, Godfather of Goth is what they call him. Interesting. Uh, and then the the uh, nitty gritty dirt band and those kind of guys where. It was just really kind of special to have this whole kind of eclectic group of players and musicians from L.A. and friends, like, intermingle and raise this money right. for this kid named Colby that, you know, the whole community was invested in. And that, right. that, was, that was pretty pretty amazing. That's good. That's, uh, day. That's great. Yeah, um, you know, growing up with the music, you're still making music to this day. Uh, you have your own little side band. Well, no, no, I don't have a side band. I will play in and out with players that get up here and play. Oh, gotcha. Um, I don't necessarily have a group that I play in with anybody in particular. I still write at home, and I do that on guitar. Yeah. Uh, in fact, today I was messing around with that and having a nice time. Yeah. Uh, but no, no band where yeah. we get together, rehearse. Right. Okay. So do you, you're not doing no gigs? No. only You're here. too busy. Too only, busy with the restaurant. Only here at DD's downtown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what's your favorite? So then, I mean, it seems like you know a lot of different instruments. What's your What's your favorite instrument to get on? Now it would be guitar. Guitar. Mm -hmm. okay. And I'm still I still take lessons. I still want to learn more and more about it. But I, I, you know, I at the same time wouldn't call myself a a crazy great guitar player. I like to write on it. I like to continually learn from it, and I like putting melodies together with lyrics. Right. right. That's great. That's amazing. Um, what? So, going back to your upbringing, who influenced you to get into cooking before you went to school for cooking? Who were you cooking with? Well, my mom, you know, it's a very cliche thing to say, but my mom is huge, you know, Didi, Diane, uh, was a big part of why I cook. I mean, we had really kind of unique you know, you come home from school, my mom would have, like, a steamed artichoke heart. Right. You know, or an artichoke, pardon me. 
And I remember the day that she taught me how to find the heart okay. once you peel through the layers with garlic butter. Yeah. And she was uh, from New York, so seafood was introduced at a very young age. I mean, I don't know if you know what kippered snacks are, but it's yeah. like it's smoked fish in a can. And my mom would put it on white bread with butter, okay. and that would be the sandwich. It was just, and I still eat them to this day. Right. So it's like she opened up these doors um, to food. And then, you know, I had an opportunity at, you know, I argue with, my, with one of my best buddies, Will, nine or ten years old. Um, 1985 is when I got started collecting so, uh, Social Security or whatever it is. But nine or ten years old, I started working in a restaurant called the Plano Steakhouse on Parker and Independence in Plano. Plano Steakhouse, Parker, Independence, and Plano. No longer there, I'm assuming. No, yeah. no. And, I mean, vivid memories of this place. And I remember the day that I, they let me go over and flip a hamburger on the grill. Right. You know, it was a flat top, really. But, um, like, that's where it started. And I remember doing that and it just being like, okay, I'm building this thing that people are going to enjoy. Yeah. And that's kind of where it began. Okay. Very interesting. Hails from Plano, Plano Steakhouse. Native, native Texan, man. Native Texan. So, did you spend any time, you know, before you ended up here, did you spend any time in any other states growing up or living? Yeah, a lot, uh, in my opinion. Not like an Army kid or, you know, a kid in the military. Right. But, um, I left Plano, went to Rhode Island, and after Rhode Island, where I went to chef school, um, I came back home and I moved to Austin and then I lived in Austin for a while. And then I moved outside to Marble Falls, Texas from Marble Falls. I went to California and then from California to Colorado to Montana. Wow. Back to Dallas. Yeah. And then to Frisco. Okay. Tell us about your days in California. Ooh, man, I was surfing the waves. Nice. I really wasn't. I terrible surfer. Where, <laughs> I tried three times in my yeah. life. I get, almost got killed. Yeah. Where in Cali? I lived in a little town called Ojai. Ojai. O-J-A-I. Very special place. Where, where is that northern or southern? It's an hour and 20 minutes north of L.A. Hour and 20 minutes north of L.A. Okay. 35 minutes south of Santa Barbara, 11 miles inland of Ventura. Yeah. What took you out that way? A resort called the Ojai Valley Inn and Spa. Okay. So you, you were cooking there? Yeah. Chef in there? Yep. I was the chef de cuisine for there and did a renovation with them. And, um, yeah, it was a serious job. I was a kid. I was, I think, maybe 25 years old. So this was the 90s? <laughs> Uh, no, this would be early 2000s. Early 2000s? Yeah. Okay. Okay, how long were you there? Well, I lived in Ojai for 10 years. I was with the inn for over a, a, about a year. Okay. So you lived in Cali for 10 years. What other things did you get into in Cali? Well, you know, I played a little music there. Um, I met my wife there. That was a really, I guess, probably the best thing that came out of Ojai. Awesome, Yeah. Um, so, you know, I cook, once I left the inn, I worked for a restaurant, an independent restaurant called Calypso and it transitioned. He wanted to take it. It was kind of like a Tiki hut bar kind of vibe and grill. And he wanted to take it and make it more of a continental restaurant. 
So when I left the inn, he hired me, and his name's Joe. Still, still buddies with old Joe. What up, Joe? If you're watching this, mm-hmm. um, and we kind of transformed that place into, you know, we brought it up, brought up the food level and the style of the cuisine. His last name is Pangea, so it's just like when all the continents, you know, were all at one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we did food from all over the place, gotcha. uh, all over the place, and. Um, it also had live music, so we had a lot of friends that would come through from L.A. And Ojai is a very special town. I mean, literally on a, on a Friday night, Dave Mason from Traffic could hop up on the stage and start playing. Or, you know, it was just a, it, it was a very eclectic area to live at, at that time in my life. Do you see a lot of stars coming in there? And yeah, there was a lot celebrities. of celebrities. There were. They lived in L.A. Or they lived in Ojai, so they didn't have to be close enough to LA so they could work but right. far enough away where they're not bothered right so yeah there I mean qu- quite a few on any yeah. given Sunday especially when I was at the at the Ohio Valley Inn I mean we had Michael Douglas's golf tournament there wow so you know everybody from geez Samuel L. Jackson to Alice Cooper to you know Anthony Hopkins lived in Ohio so you'd see Anthony Hopkins walking down the street on an, any given Sunday wow Anthony Hopkins Great, yeah, great, very nice fellow. Great actor. So did you, um, what was your favorite dish that you created with Ojai? In Ojai? My curry. Your curry? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about that curry. It is a bastardized curry that has got everything, it's a, it's hard to describe because it's its own thing. Yeah. So it's not a tiki masala. It's not a gara. It's a a blend of Japanese and English and Indian curry. Yeah. Into one situation, it's a chick. It's a chicken curry. I've made it with seafood as well, but I like it best with chicken. It's got peas in it and potatoes and garlic and thirty five spices. Yum. And Do you feature that here? I've done it one time in three years. Wow. And it was like a month ago. But I had to call, I had to call the guy that I worked for at the time. And as we were talking, it was like the recipe started coming back to me, the, all the ingredients, because it's a laundry list of stuff. Before you made it back to Frisco, um, what were some of your challenges growing up from when you well, let's go back. Let's go back to Rhode Island. You went to culinary school there. Yeah. And how did you like culinary school? It was awesome. You had a good time? Yeah. Rhode Island was awesome. How, so how long is, was the school? How long did it take from starting to when you graduated? Four years. I, did, I have a double degree. Okay, I have four a, years. I have a degree in culinary science and also a degree in hospitality marketing. And that's why I chose uh, Johnson & Wales specifically. At the time I went to school, the two best culinary schools were CIA in, okay. in New York, and yeah. it's still top dog, great, great school. Yeah. Um, they, they produce great chefs. <clears throat> um, and then Johnson & Wales. But Johnson & Wales offered a four-year degree versus a two-year, <clears throat> excuse me, associates. And yeah. I wanted to be balanced. I, you, you know, if you want to own a restaurant, you kind of have to know both sides Absolutely. Of it. You can't just be chef-sided 
because uh, you'll just cook with foie gras and <laughs> leeks and yeah. white asparagus all year long, and you won't make any money. <laughs> Very interesting. So tell us, uh, you enjoyed your time in Rhode Island. What uh, what cities there in Rhode Island? I lived in Providence. Providence. Yeah. Okay. And um, do you enjoy the snow? I do. I do. Uh, I love to snow ski. In fact, last year we did, I skied to work when we had the Antarctic storm. Yeah, yeah. And so uh-huh. um, uh, my wife loves to ski. So, in fact, you know, we moved to Montana and Colorado thinking we'd be skiing more. Right. But in my business, it doesn't really make a difference. You have a better shot at just taking a five-day vacation and going to a mountain. That's true. That's true. Restaurant is very demanding. Um, so, yeah, you went from... Yeah, tell us more about the the challenges. Did you face any challenges with going to school? Did you have any family struggles with while you were at school that did you almost have to drop out or anything like that? Well, I yeah, I, I had a circumstance. It's almost as if you, we we talked about this. <laughs> My freshman year, <clears throat> I lived in a dorm room and I through through that year I had 12 roommates, and wow. all of them got kicked out of college, but me and one guy, and his name was Joe Polito. Wow. Um, and they raided our room, and I had, a, I had one roommate that was selling PCP. Ooh. I had another roommate that was, I mean, everybody was doing, something. everybody was dirty. We'll just put it everybody like that. Everybody was doing something dirty. Everybody was doing something dirty. And when they came into my room, one of the roommates had put a, a pipe by my bed and so of course you know they cl- claimed it to be mine I fought it and uh I won okay. so I was put on probation ha- that go around four guys got kicked out because they kept replacing them they give us another group yeah. and me and they, they it was like they just kept getting crazier they weren't I had better. a guy I, was, <laughs> I wanted to this is a crazy I hadn't thought about this in years so I had a roommate named Dave that he looked just like Kurt Cobain. Steel blue eyes, blonde hair. One night I walked in to our dorm room and this guy was sitting in the middle of the hallway sucking on a butane can Mm. with his book open like he's studying. And I walked in and I was like, Dave, what are you doing? And he's, I'm studying. And I'm like, you're studying. And he, I mean, that's like how this started. And it was from people from which I love this about Rhode Island. I met people from everywhere. Yeah. These guys, some guys were from Long Island, New, you know, Brooklyn, Manhattan, Philly, you know, just from all over the place. Yeah. You had all these different characters from all over the place, like a melting pot, which Rhode Island is. Absolutely. And, um, yeah. It, so anyways, long story short, I ended up getting put on probation. I'd called my house and I'd spoken to my father and I told him what had happened, and he said to me, okay, well, you can come home, and you can live at the house for one month, and then, I, and then you're on your own. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's not, this is not good. I've got to win this appeal. So I, I won, and I, did, and I had very good grades. So that, that helped out as yeah. well. So th- I, I stayed in and made it through. So they knew you. you know, but you- there was a moment in time where I thought I was coming home and yeah. had a month to live at my parents' house. So, yes, that was Pretty serious, I guess. Yeah, that's a that was a challenge that almost uh, changed uh, the di- the course, the, yes, the course of your existence. 
Well, that's interesting. Shout out Providence, Rhode Island. Providence. Yeah, so do you spend much time going back to the Northeast? The last time I was up there was right before 9-11, actually. I went up there for my buddy Casey, who I went to chef school with, uh, to his wedding. And um, it was on Cape Cod in Orleans. So I went up there to visit him. Oh, no, that's not true. I've been back one I went back. Uh, I went back eight, eight years ago to visit that same guy. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, and we just hung out. We hung out for a couple of days and just went and ate and relaxed and went over the old stomping grounds. What, uh, what's, do you have a favorite restaurant out there? I have, yeah, I have a couple. For Italian, it would be Andino's on Federal Hill, Atwell's Avenue. Um, it's where the mob are. I don't know if I should say that. They'll come and get me. But that's where they are. Uh, and, and Fellini's for pizza. And then there's this falafel joint that I love on Thayer Street. Yeah. Speaking of pizza, have you ever tried your own? I mean, I'm sure you've tried to make your own pizza. Is pizza one of your things that you like to make? Yeah. In fact, I want to open up a pizza parlor. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've done a bunch of different styles of pizza throughout my career. Yeah, yeah. What's your favorite type? I like, you know, I like hot fire pizza, but there's nothing like a good blodget oven deck oven pie too. Yeah, yeah. Nice thin. Yeah, thin, I'm, thin I'm crust. Yeah, I'm, I'm a more of a thin crust guy, but there's something to be said for a deep dish pizza or, yeah. or a charcoal, you know, Detroit style pizza. They're just so it's heavy. Well, it's just you know, got you sauce and mozzarella. Yes, low, low moisture is key. Low moisture mozzarella. Low moisture, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I look forward to that. I support the next venture in the pizzeria business. That's just a tease, everybody. Yeah, that's a tease. That's not official yet. Um, all right, moving on from that. Oh, well, I do want to ask one more question about California. What was your favorite restaurant besides your own in California? Oh, my gosh. Auberge. What, where's that at? It is. Uh, it's right on the main street in Ojai. It's closed. The chef, oh, his name was, yeah, his name, he was a Frenchman named Paul. And when I was eating there, he was in his 70s. And that's where I proposed to Shannon. And uh, nice. Yeah, just unbelievable. Just classic French-Belgian style cuisine. What, that, was the, what was the dish that stuck out to you there? His house salad. Oh, his house salad? Mm-hmm. Three ingredients and a, and a dressing. Wow. And he would never tell me. He, he, we had a game. <laughs> it's like I, every time if I, I, he'd give me one guess. And he'd say nope. And he'd say nope or yes. And, and then he, he actually sold the restaurant to the, the guys that created the television show Cops. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. He sold the building and the, the whole restaurant. They converted it over and then wasted a couple million dollars and went out of business. Yeah, they didn't know. Yeah, and he had it for 20 years. It was just perfect the way it was. They didn't know Escargot, what they doing, yeah. foie gras, sweetbreads. Ugh, I could go there right now. Sounds good. Well, wrapping up, wrapping up the segment about you, uh, I do have a, a question to wrap that up. What is, what is something people, what's the most common misconception that people get wrong about you? What is something, you know? I think maybe people sometimes think I'm like a pure hippie kind of guy, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, cause yeah, yeah, I yeah. like tie dyes and I have longer hair and I, yeah. I have I have hippie aspects to me, and yeah. I love love, and I love good energy. You do have and, hippie energy, and, yeah. and I like yeah, and I like all that stuff. But at the same time, I'm a 
I'm a businessman and I have a business mindset. And, um, you know, I, you have to have the business mindset so I can have the free love and energy. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I'd have to say probably that. Amazing. Yeah. And then, I mean, along with that, you run a business, you employ people, you have to have love, you have to, you know, have leadership, you know, you got to give them motivation. A lot of people come in here probably having a bad day and they got to perform for eight hours, nine hours, 10 hours, whatever it takes to get the job done. And that's where your love and compassion come into play. Well, you, ho- you hope so. <laughs> you, you try I'm to sure keep you have your days. Every, everybody does. Everybody has their days. Well, we are here at uh, 7210 West Main Street in Frisco, Texas, Dee's downtown. We're out here on the patio. Um, I don't have a cameraman. The camera's stationary. But I will be taking photos before I leave here of the whole patio, and then we'll, we'll take a little video tour inside the restaurant. Uh, but we're here on where usually they have live music going on they have live music is it every night or just on the weekends friday saturday every we have it every night every night they have music up here usually blues a little bit of everything a little bit of everything yep it could be country it could be reggae it could be rock it could be americana it could be folk i have a guy that plays named mandel he plays sax yeah um a couple of some dudes that do funk up here uh, it could be a little it's a little bit of everything so tell us a little bit about the name dd's downtown where does that come from well, uh, Dee Dee was my mom. Okay. Her name was Diane, and her nickname was Dee Dee. So in, you know, instead of Grandma, it was Dee Dee. And, and if she, if, or Aunt Dee Dee. Aunt Dee Dee. Dee Dee or Aunt Dee Dee. Right. Uh, so that's where it came from. And so my mom passed away six years ago, I think, at this point. So it's no to my mom. Very good, very good. How long, how long has the restaurant been opened? Uh, we're three years now. Feels like seven with COVID. Oh, man. So yeah. I'm done. You can hit the pad there. Make the... You know. I don't have that. <laughs> I don't have that. So we've been open here for three years. We're in a really interesting building here. It looks like an old historical building in Frisco. Can you tell us a little bit about the building? Sure. Uh, it was built in 1914, and it's one of the most you know oldest houses in Frisco. I was told that it's the third oldest house in Frisco. Don't quote me on that. Uh, and it's been multiple restaurants. It was the front of the restaurant was where people would, where people come in was the front door actually, which faces main street. It doesn't seem like it, but there's these stairs that go up and they're still there. It's really cool. Uh, and this whole backyard where we are now, this was basically open land. This was the backyard to it. It's been built on over years, but my landlord, excuse me. He had a pizza place here, and even uh, Randy's Steakhouse down the road started here. He had a country; it was called Randy's Country Buffet. Um, and then, it, you know, been multiple concepts. It was Manny's Mexican food for like ten years. And right. they, they everybody that was here has kind of moved from here to bigger spaces. It seems like. And is that your goal eventually? I really like this space. Yeah. Um, I don't want anything bigger. I I like that I can walk around it. I can see all the angles of it. It's intimate. It's intimate. It's funky. You can't really recreate it. You know, I've had a lot of people that want me to do something in Prosper and Salina. And it's like, okay, well, I don't, you know. There's only one of you. (laughs) That's true. Um, But 
as far as now I'm good right here. If I do something else, I'll do another concept in another location. Gotcha. Build in 1914. Top five oldest houses in Frisco could be the oldest house. We don't know yet. We'll have to do our research. Nobody know. No, uh, I, think I think there's older. Do you have weddings here? I have done weddings. Not only have I done weddings, I've married people here. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Very I'm an nice. ordained minister. Okay. Well, if you need a place. You want to get married? Yeah. You can come here and we'll cater it. I'll get you your music. Bar service, everything. And, and I'll give you the whole ceremony, however you want to do it. Yeah. What else What else in the history of this building have you, let me, so since with a building this old, I got to ask, are there any, have you had any uh, hauntings since it's October? We're getting close to Halloween. Have we had any spiritual energy? There is always spiritual energy yeah. in this building. <laughs> And her name is Cleo. Oh, it has a name, too. Oh, She boy. has a name. She yeah. has a name, Daddy. Cleo. Yep. Everybody just, you know, we respect her, and we clean it up, and we get out of her house. Yeah. Yep. That's yeah. what we do. I have a bartender that would talk to her every, Olda Antonio. Antonio, if you're out there and watching this, he would talk to that ghost every night. Yeah. When he's locking up. Yeah. Did I tell you about this? No, but you can tell us about it. Yeah. Yeah, so one night I'd gone home, and I had like I was looking at the cameras. And if anybody has been here and never met Antonio, he was a great bartender. I loved him. I, it was like 12 o'clock at night, and I flick on the cameras, and he's like flailing his arms around. I'm like, what is he doing? Yeah. So I called up here. I'm like, listen, are you, is everything okay with you? Yeah. He's like, yeah, what are you talking about? I'm like, I turned on the cameras, and flailing your arms around. He's like, I'm getting ready to lock up. I'm saying goodbye to Cleo. And I'm like, what do you mean? And so he had this ritual where at the end of the night, he would say, Cleo, he was from, I should pretense this by, he's from the islands. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. Like Caribbean? Yeah. And so his family was like into voodoo right. and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and he would go through this routine. He'd say, Cleo, it's, just, it's me. I have no problems. I'm cleaning up your house and I'm leaving and I'll see you tomorrow and he would do that <laughs> and it's funny to me yeah did he ever tell you that he ever, did he ever see anything anything move well, we've seen there's been all kind I mean everything from the this has happened quite a bit but the lights across the the bar yeah are pretty wild and doors creakings moaning wow Screaming. Some screaming. No screaming. I was just throwing that in there. <laughs> yeah, but she, she's, she seems cool. As long as we're cool, she seems cool. She hasn't done anything crazy. Shout out to the, the few the, the, pre, the, pre, the owners prior to me would tell you that, too. The folks that this was a place called Stands prior. Um, and, wow, they're getting squirrely out there. Yeah. Uh, they'll attest to the spirits. And then there's some guy, I forget his name. He came here. He's a ghost hunter. And he came with all these little robots and little guys, and he had them all, the whole building patched up. I don't know what happened to him. I was talk. he had me talking to her for 15 minutes. Oh, really? Yeah. He came here and did his little ghost hunting show? Yes. Nice. Is that on YouTube anywhere? Can I have no that? idea. Did you ever watch the finished product? Nope. You just he never came, heard He was here again. for like four hours. We did, I don't know what happened. Wow, no follow-ups. That's nope. interesting. It's interesting. I don't know what happened. 
But it was wild. He had all kinds. Of, he had the place strapped for sound. Yeah. Yeah, what do you call that? EV something? Detection? I don't know. Yeah, it's a special. Kind of like the podcast. Audio. The guy showed up. I was like, let's do this. Yeah, yeah. Well, you'll hear from me. Um, so we know about the name. We know about the history. Let's talk about a little bit with, with your concept of the restaurant. What's, what's your concept here? What's your theme? What you, do you have a theme? Is it kind of just... The theme is let's have a good time. The good theme time. is to... I want everybody to, like, relax and just enjoy themselves, enjoy the music. You know, the, my, one of my favorite things, and it happens every day, people get up from tables here and go and sit with other tables. Yeah. People make friends here. People, like community. Yeah. I mean... You know, we've had everything from baby showers to weddings to communions and people coming in after baptisms. I mean, it's just like, man, in COVID, this was just super incredible. We had a family, and I don't want to use anybody's names, but we had a family here that uh, it was like 30, 35 people. And it was for a birthday, and the wife didn't know that her mom was going to come oh. from New York. Okay. And she hadn't seen her mother uh, throughout all of COVID hadn't got to see her, or, you know, embrace her just like so many other people. Yeah. But somehow they got this set up where the mom came and surprised her. And I'm telling you, this whole restaurant was crying at one time. Wow. My servers were crying. My cooks were crying. I mean, everybody was crying. It was amazing. And it was such a wonderful feeling to watch them and see them embrace and everybody eat. And I used to have a, I used to write this little piece for, um, for the, when I lived in Ojai, they had a little magazine, kind of like the observer, and uh, it was called Laughs and Love. That was the piece. And it's about what happens when people break bread. You know, it's when you sit down, everybody starts talking and kibitzing and chatting. And then the food comes. And when the food comes, then everybody starts to eat and gets quiet, right? Right. And then it comes back. Yeah. For the crescendo. And now everybody's happy and laughing and semi-drunk and just having a great time. And yeah. that's it. And then you throw music into it and different events and different experiences. That's what I'm all about. And that's what I want for myself. So I want to be able to share that with others. Absolutely. So Scott wants you to come take a load off, get a sense of community. They're going to take care of all the hard work. They're going to take care of you. They're going to get you drinks. They're going to get you appetizers, food, dessert. And they want you to just have a great experience, enjoy the live music, maybe meet a new friend, make a new friend. Friends. Yeah. So, you know, we talked about that. What are, what are, so let's talk about the menu for a minute. I noticed on the menu, you have your main menu and then every weekend we have, or every week you'll come out with some showcases, some, some particular things. Well, um, I get bored, so it's yeah. sort of like the events. Yeah, sorry um, for the background noise. We got uh, some landscaping I don't going even know on outside that, somewhere. I don't even know how long it will go on for. I hope not too long. It's not, it's not too bad. Okay. But, but we're outside. We're having a good time. It is what it is. People got to work. People got to work. But, gotta, yeah, going back to the menu. So I, I like playing with all styles of food. Yeah. And so I have a core menu that... I've adjusted and tweaked, and you you know you see it's what's called a P mix. You can tell if something doesn't sell or isn't going well. Also, right. you can see it in the kitchen because it's sitting there. Yeah, right? what are you gonna do with it? 
So I've brought the, I've narrowed the menu down to a place where I feel like there's something for everybody on it. Yes. And then I sort of have like a side menu every week, which consists of what is seasonal, what is fresh, what's coming off of boats. Uh, you know, we just were coming out of summer into into fall and winter. Yeah. And this is when we start using duck and maybe some wild game. And, you know, what's challenging now, what's also important about it is what's affordable. You know, thing, when that's that could be a whole other topic. But um, I, I like to... to it, I like for people to experience different formats of food and different flavor profiles all the time. So, you, you know, people come all the time and they'll say, well, what should I get on the, oh, this, you know, the scallops sound really great. Yeah. Should I get that or should I get the Texican chicken? I said, well, you may never see the scallop skin. Yeah. So you may as well try that because the Texican chicken isn't going anywhere. Right. But you, I want every, like the menu is your go-to. Absolutely. Like, you, you know, if something on the special board doesn't work for you. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And he posts his menu up on the Facebook and the website and on Instagram. If you just follow Didi's downtown on any one of those platforms, you'll see he posts it every week. What what he's he even introduces new cocktails, right? Yep. On um, Wednesday through Sunday at approximately eleven o'clock, I go live from Didi's downtown Facebook, and I talk about the music. I talk about the desserts, the specials. Uh, what's up and coming in the rail district uh, as far as events because we're constantly having uh, cool stuff that we're doing. The whole community is really neat like that. So, you know, trying to constantly push the envelope with different events and uh, Facebook actually has given me a great outlet to do that. So I do that at 11, uh, Wednesday through Sunday. Monday and Tuesday I'm off. Yeah, Except the, for today, because we're doing this whole thing. Yeah, the restaurants close Monday and Tuesday. They're open Wednesday through Sunday, 1130 to 10? We're open 1130 uh, Wednesday through Saturday. And uh, kitchen's open till 9, Wednesday and Thursday, 10 o'clock on Friday, Saturday. And on Sunday, we open up at 11, and the kitchen closes at 730. Okay. Fair enough. And that has taken tweaking. That takes a lot of tweaks there. Uh, yeah, moving on. I do want to ask you, though, talk to what, what's do you do brunches? You do brunch? Yep. Sunday, 11 to 3. Sunday, 11 to 3. We got brunch. What are we doing for brunches? Well, I always run. I'm, in fact, in two weeks, I'm going to be launching a new brunch menu, which will be the menu I have now with six more items on it. Okay. Uh, we've been R&Ding them. Uh, every Sunday. So each Sunday I've been, this week is the last one that we need to do. Uh, and then there's always a special. So we, we have a cocktail special, we have a brunch special, and then there's the full brunch menu, which also is our full menu. You can order off our full menu during brunch and you can also get the brunch menu. Right. What's on the brunch menu? Let's talk about a few things. Cause I love brunch. I know a lot of People who are going to watch this want to know about the brunch. We, we have all your standards. You know, we have a be, we have the Benedicts, and we have the the Big Daddy burrito, and we have pancakes and short stacks and eggs your way. Uh, as far as, gosh, what's what? I mean, our short rib hash is really really tasty. Short rib hash. Yeah, it's wow. our, our our shredded short rib with potatoes cut and onions and peppers cut into it with sourdough toast and a homemade barbecue sauce with eggs on top of it but 
we're getting ready to do shrimp and we're gonna have shrimp and grits on the menu with fried egg and I'm looking forward to a strawberry stuffed uh, cream cheese and mascarpone French uh, toast. Jeez. Jeez Louise. And I'm also going to do a short rib benedict on a biscuit with Tabasco hollandaise sauce and peppers and onions. Something about peppers and onions and that meat I like. You hear this? Talk to me, Goose. Short rib benedict. Wow. Get down here. Get your Get mimosas. Get down to the Diddy's downtown, baby. Get your mimosas. Oh, $5. Five dollar. Are you bloodies. making? Are you? Oh, five dollar bloody Mary. Three dollar mimosas. Nice. Three dollar mimosas. Nice. And with that, I also I, my brain just went zapped a little bit. Are you making? Are you? How are the biscuits? What are we doing with the biscuits? Biscuits, shortbread, shortcake, made from scratch. Toasting them up, buttercups. Mm, I love a good biscuit. So yeah, um, we talked about the menu, the history. Uh, you know the theme. You know you got you got murals on the building. That I do. Yeah, we got it's like tattoos for me now. Yeah, we got Willie behind us, uh, done by Patrick uh, Ganino. Ganino. Yep. At Patrick Ganino, we'll post that up there. Uh, on the side of the building, what do we got? We got like a train. Yep. We uh, so there's uh, multiple pieces from Patrick. There's the train, which was the first one, and that one, the concept of it was to have a train that was half finished, where it looks, it's kind of, you, you, when you look at it, you think people are painting it, and right. Patrick is the guy that's on the train who painted it, and the two kids are my children. Awesome. Wow. So when you drive by it, you look at it, and it, if you're looking quickly, it looks as people are still working on it. Right. It's, you know, trickery, eye trickery. Yeah. And then there's a star, and he did his hand hearts, and then I have my fish scene because I love fish. He did a fish deal for me. And then this little guy above us, he, but he did that very quickly. Yeah. That, was a, that was a quick little, I, I wanted something there, so he did it for me. And for people who don't know, Frisco, Texas is an old, you know, it's an older town in, in Texas, North Texas, which has since in the last 20 years or so has really blown up into a, Probably, a, I mean, it's a big city now, I would say. Wouldn't you say? It's it's a bigger city, it's but a, with a small-town vibe. It's got a small-town vibe. It's got, you know, different areas of it. It's like a John Cougar Mellencamp song. Yeah. And um, in Frisco used to be an old uh, train depot stop. Yep. Right? And then so there's a lot of train history here within Frisco, hence the train, the mural for the train. So, yeah, that's great. Got a little... Uh, the, Got the art, the culture going on here. Wanted to get into some of the things that you, you've mentioned during the podcast a few times, and I wanted to ask you uh, how COVID affected you and your business and, and, and the challenges with that. Well, COVID has been a, a very unique deal and has been something that I think if you, you had to maneuver it a certain way, to yeah. come out the other end. So how it affected me in a, in a negative way or positive way or both? Well, in the beginning, talk about how it affected you in a, in a negative way and how you overcame that. Well, at first, first of all, you know, it's like an uppercut. Like it's a knockout blow, right. it feels like. So, you know, you as a restaurant owner, which is always a finicky business in the first place, you know, I was right when COVID happened, I was positioned 
to have a very nice year. We were we were in a we were starting to grow in the way I was hoping we would. Uh, luckily, I had my bills paid. Where I think a lot of people, if you didn't, that was a, a massive struggle. I wasn't behind. Right. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's like okay, I'm going to shut the doors to my restaurant, and I don't know if I'm going to when I'm going to open them, yeah. if I'm going to open them. So mentally, that's a pretty tricky spot to be in. How long were you closed? Two weeks. You had to close for two weeks? Well, I didn't have to. Okay. I, I, what I wanted to do was stop everything. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like this is one of my better moves. I stopped and I evaluated what I could do and how I was going to react to this situation. So I shut down and I cleaned the whole restaurant. We had cleaning crews come in and we gutted it and we, you know, just cleaned the crap out of it. And then what I did was I decided I was going to do one meal a day okay. and focus on one thing. Now, I'm not saying anybody's wrong for the way they handled their, their stuff, but my goal wasn't to try and sell toilet paper yeah. or become a market. Right. My goal was how can I feed my community that surrounds me? And to be honest, that was my biggest concern, what, what was like in this diameter. Yeah. How can I try and give people some comfort at a reasonable price with some chef-driven stuff? And folks really responded to it. And that's where the live Facebook stuff started, actually. Uh, by me just wanting to say, look, I'm doing chicken parmesan. with," And it was a package. It was tiramisu, chicken parmesan, a Caesar salad, and garlic bread. Nice. And so people ordered online and... I would make 70 of them or 60 or 80 or whatever it was. Very small staff. The staff, and that was a very interesting thing too, the staff that you knew wanted to be with me and be a part of the group yeah. stayed. Oh, yeah. The folks that were maybe not 100% bought into me and this concept, right? they dispersed. Failed, yeah. Almost like a natural cleansing. Yeah. So... And once we started getting the ball rolling with that, I realized there's some things that I could do a little differently, like with my hours or, you know, if, if I can sell 80 of these in three hours and do this with two people, yeah, I need to reevaluate my business plan and how I'm doing it. So I took that time to address the restaurant and places where there was you know, void, where uh, things I never got to finish. Yeah. decor that I didn't get to finish. I got to tighten up my menu. I got to hire a new staff. I got to bring in new people with a different outlook. It was almost kind of like a restart. A reset, yeah. A reset yeah. of, okay, this is going well, but it can be a lot better. Yeah. And so that's where it began. And COVID, in a weird way, allowed me to do that. Yeah, I mean, that's what you're talking... That's why you asked, what's the negative, what's the positive? So... The negative was, yeah, you had to slow down that momentum you had going into the year. But the positive was that you had you got to revamp, reevaluate, and then come out with a better strategic business plan, better 100%. strategic menu. Uh, you tightened up your staff. You got people that are 100% behind you more. Things of that nature, right? Agree completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I mean, we're still living under the umbrella of COVID, um, and you're facing challenges every day with that, I'm sure. But how how are things looking 
now since the beginning of the year, since we kind of got gone through spring and summer, now we're going into fall. How's the outlook looking? It feels the future's so bright, you yeah. know, and I'm a, I'm a half full guy. So I, I think no matter when you ask me that, I would tell you that things are on the up and up. Right. But uh, the trajectory that Didi's is on, that I am on personally and with the business is great. I've got a, an amazing staff that is getting better. And again, once again, it's like you have some that come and go. And it's in this time with, you know, back, back to COVID. I mean, you talk about supply chain issues and we didn't even get into that. Or, you know, hiring people that are good at what they do. I mean, it's, that's crazy. I've never seen anything like this. I could, we could do a whole podcast just on the people that, you know, we all, all the restaurants need. But, uh, you know, we're, we're on, a, on a great, you know, course and i'm you know very very excited about the future we've got a bunch of great events coming up this uh this week we have you know on third it's like oh, almost every week we have an art and wine walk that the rail district does this thursday coming up we have the sipping shop which is organized by all the the clothing stores and stuff i mean it's such a cool little community and absolutely then, you know we have uh the the Zombie Walk and Rocky Horror Show. Zombie Walk coming on uh, Halloween. Yeah, Saturday the 30th, and that's with my boy Patrick Anino, NAC Development, all these guys that we work with. We're putting, to, we're putting together really cool stuff. And then Sunday, I'm doing the first drag show in Frisco, Texas. Nice. And that's on, a, that's on Sunday the, the 31st on Halloween. So we just want to stay busy. I'm, I'm doing an infused CBD dinner with... Artistic Organics across the street. That's on Tuesday the 30th, or I'm sorry, Tuesday the 26th. Uh, private 40 people. A few spots left, by the way. There's, I think, six spots left if anybody wants to go. Interesting. Um, CBD-infused meals? Uh, yep, we're going to do it. It's a private dinner for 40 people, and um, it's all legal what we're doing, by the way, if anybody's wondering about it. Yeah. And, yeah, it's not a marijuana. It's a Delta-8 yeah, product. It's yeah. CBD. And we're going to do a five-course dinner with artistic organics. And, you know, again, you talk about trajectory and where we're going. I mean, th like I said, this whole area yeah. is just blowing up. And, you know, we, there's a new, new place going in on patios on the rail, which is going to be like a ping-pong place. That's, I'm so I love ping-pong. So that will be so exciting. It's got a heritage table behind us and, you know, Randy's. And then you've got Haystack. It's really starting to form into this awesome spot where people can drink and eat and shop and once we get like more of a walkability with it, yeah. it it'll be better and hopefully one day the city will get all that together uh but it's it's a special special area you got anything uh that you want to talk about that's big coming up in november well in november we're going to do a great show uh we do we've done this every year with for years with all of my buddies it won't, you know, it used to be called Gobblesock, and then it was Tryptophan Jam, and <laughs> it, what it used to be was different bands from, you know, high school, from yeah. that all, everybody had different bands, would get together, and then kind of share the stage, and up and down, and up and down. Um, this year, I'm going to be doing a version of it, except there won't be any up and down. My buddy Mick Tinsley and Randy Morris will be playing, they're going to be playing with a tr in a trio up here. 
That's the night before Thanksgiving. And it's a great night to come out and get loose because, you're, you know, a lot of your friends come into town, your family comes into town Absolutely. that live in different places. Yeah. So everybody gets together here, drinks and eats and listens to some awesome music. Um, typically, there's a couple of special guests that will get up there and uh, join Mick. We'll see who he's got, what he's got up his sleeve. But uh, it should, it, it's, a, it's a great night. And also, for the holiday season... Uh, we are taking pre-orders for the hot fudge pie. And this year, I am maxing them out at, I'm going to make 100 of them. Wow. Last year, well, last year, we made 160 some odd pies. Tell us about this this pie then, if it's... Well, it's it's my mom's recipe. Yeah. And it's just, it's not like a pretty pie or anything. It's just super delicious. I serve it on the menu. Yeah. Uh, it's just really good chocolate hot fudge pie yeah with a graham cracker crust and i sell them for 50 bucks chocolate is expensive yeah but they are well worth it i mean you really the problem is you can eat a whole pie but it's so rich you know one slice should be able to suffice Uh, so you'll want to get your pre-orders in to get your hot fudge pies yes absolutely and then around thanksgiving and for the holidays, I'm sure you're going to be having more uh, special uh, dishes for that. We, we, yeah, we'll be doing a few different things. I'm going to do a prime rib night uh, during Christmas. We'll be doing uh, pajama brunches day after Christmas, day after New Year's. You know, everybody, and it's been really successful. Everybody comes in their pajamas. I have one buddy, his name's Casey Waits. He, his whole family comes. It's they, they, all of them pajama it out. What up, Casey Waits and family? <laughs> Do you do anything with, like, turkey? You making pot pies? you do anything like that? Well, I will certainly start doing things that have to do with seasonal foods. Right, I, right. W- w- Will I, like, make turkeys for people to pick up and that kind of stuff? I, no, it's just there's a lot of moving parts to that and focuses here. The hot fudge pies I'll do. But, yes, like, this week I'm doing a balsamic cranberry glazed chicken sandwich with sliced prosciutto and brie, sliced tomato, and arugula. So that dish right there can tell you I'm starting to lean in to fall fashion, as we like to say. Fall fashion. Absolutely. Well, all that sounds amazing. I think we covered a lot. And in wrapping it up real quick, though, I want to ask you, what, what's your biggest, your biggest failure, and what did you learn from that experience in your time of owning restaurants or working in restaurants? My biggest failure? Yeah, what was, what was one well, of I your biggest take... shortcomings that, that, that you just, it was a big learning experience? That I'm an alcoholic. Okay. So, yeah, that, I mean, it's like, that's really easy. Because my career would have just kept being the same thing. My, I'm talented and I know how to do, I can get a job. Yeah. Uh, keeping jobs for long periods of time, finding stability, finding growth. Um, when you're drinking all the time, eventually you're going to burn out the people you're around or you get burnt out on the people you're around and you bail. So for me, you know, when you can cook for the folks that I've cooked for and been in the positions I've been in, when you keep running in the same scenario, uh, and that would have happened here. We wouldn't, you know, my first three months of having this restaurant, there would have been maybe, if I wouldn't have quit drinking, maybe three more months left. 
because I would have drank it. You know, I, you can't manage people. You can't stay focused. This is, it's too much. It's too, it's too big of a machine to not be in your right mind. Right. You know, and some people can, can do it and drink and live their lives. I, I can't. So it's, you know, again, like I said, that always ended up being the common denominator. And it's, it's a challenging thing to say, but in some form or fashion, whatever probably happened in any job I ever had, there was something in there that alcohol was screwing up. And um, the, I, I guarantee you the success that I have right now is because I stopped. Yeah. When did you realize you needed to make a difference there? Well, I knew for a while, like I was throwing up every morning. Okay. You know, it's like I'd go and do Fox Four News and puke fifteen times before I'd go and do that show, makeup on, and let's do this. Uh, it became like such a like routine of life, like just you know over and over. And so I got well, I got sick. My liver, yeah, my li- my liver was gonna blow up on me. So I ended up in the hospital, and. I, you know, I made a joke to my wife. It was just, I was like, all right, well, like, this will be my rehab. Like, my liver's going to blow up. But then my, I got out, and I was out of the hospital. I was sober for maybe two weeks. And then it came up to, like, my mom's. Everything in May is got something to do with my mom. There's Mother's Day, there's her birthday, and then there's the anniversary of her death. Oh, yeah. So I'd come out of the hospital sober, and then, like, May hit. And then I lost my mind. So I don't even really know. I just, I just know that it, it had to come to an end. Yeah. So basically had health problems and then uh, went on a nice bender. Oh, I know what it was. I went on a nice, I woke up, I thought I was having a heart attack. Yeah. And went back to the hospital and then I, I, then I was done. And I have not had a lick since. And did you have to go to, like, meetings for that or anything? Initially, I was going to AA, um, and I have a sponsor that I chat with. I don't talk to him as much as I used to, but we still stay in contact. But AA was a big step for me. It, it, you know, what it did was it allowed me to realize there's a lot of people like me. Right. When, you're, when you're drunk all the time and you're surrounded by people at bars, yeah. you know, that's what you're surrounded with. So everybody's intoxicated. Yeah. And a lot of people do drink a lot. So when, you know, and I'm one of the people that sells it to people. Yeah. Um, but I needed to step back and kind of get a different view of where my life was going to be. And once I got, once I had a little bit of time under my belt, I didn't want to go back. Like there's, I'm kind of competitive. So and I'm yeah. not kind of, I'm very competitive. Yeah. So there's just no, uh, what I can accomplish today and compared to two and a half years ago, is uh, mind-boggling. Amazing. Amazing story. Um, amazing history. Amazing restaurant. Once again, Didi's downtown. I want to thank Scott Hoffner for giving me his time, his precious time, to do this podcast with me, Off the Grid with Chris G., Off the Grid with Didi's downtown. We're at 7210 West Main Street in Frisco, Texas. I appreciate you. Thanks, man, so much. Thanks so much, We rocking Chris G from across the streets because DD's is a lesson, too. You can't let the streets beat you. Yeah. Yo. Hey, we need to have an open mic over here. That's another thing I wanted to ask. Do you ever dabble in the, do you ever have comedy over here? We do. Um, I have a good buddy named Greg, Greg Wilson, the Greg Wilson, and he's out in L.A., 
um, and he does a bunch of stuff. He's all over the place. He's in Vegas and on the Sunset Strip and a uh, pro comic. And at least once a year, we've been able to do it where he comes in town and he gets a couple of his comics that yeah. have worked with him in the past. Yeah. And every time it's a sellout and every time it's a blast. So I'm always open to doing it. It's hard to get like the troupe together. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I love comedy. We've done co comedy, flamenco, bingo. I mean, five course dinners. I don't know, 15 of them. We've, I mean, CD release parties. That's what, I mean, this is a, just a. Have you ever, ha have you had any cowboys come in here? Dallas Cowboys? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Anthony Spencer's been here. Um, Jason Hatcher's been here. These guys, of course, are retired. But there was a period of time in my life. Well, I was Jason Hatcher's private chef. Oh, okay. So I worked for him um, when he was playing for the Cowboys before he got traded. But we do. We have some neat folks that come in here. Tori Hunter comes in here, baseball player. Yeah. He's super, super nice guy. Um, yeah. We, we get any it. of the hockey guys? I don't know. If we've had any hockey guys, yeah. I don't know if we've it's had It's hard them. to, yeah, it's hard I to. I think they stay in Uptown. Yeah. Any Mavericks? Any Dirk? No, no Dirky Dirk. Um, we didn't get into that at all, but, and I don't even know if you know that in 2000, I was Tyson Chandler's private chef okay. when the Mavs won the whole, whole shooting match. 2011. Yeah. What a year. Yeah. It was awesome. I went to one of the games, the game they beat, beat out the Lakers. That was a good one. It was Phil Jackson's last game he ever coached. He looked pretty depressed that day. Jason Terry and Peja Stojakovic, they, like, combined for 23-pointers that night, that day. It was pretty good. They swept the Lakers, yeah. Ooh, I didn't know you liked basketball that much. You do. Oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Jordan kid. Jordan kid, so. And then now we got Luca. so Luca's going to be, he's the next one. So. If he can control his temper. <laughs> well, thanks again, Scott. You bet. My pleasure. We're here at DD's. Uh, follow me at Chris G underscore comedy on Instagram, Gindo Media, G-I-N-D-O Media on YouTube. The episode will be out next week. It'll be out whenever it comes out. But uh, on Spotify and Anchor Podcasts, you can follow DD's Downtown on Instagram, Facebook, anywhere else. Instagram and Come Facebook. Come on into the restaurant. You can do it live right here. Come check out the restaurant, 7210 West Main, Frisco, Texas. And uh, thanks again, Scott. You bet. My pleasure. Yeah.